0: Let me jump in to, uh, to today 's thought, and um, we 're going to read luke chapter twenty four verse thirteen to verse thirteen and if you've got your bibles i 'd ask you to turn to it or not it 's going to be on the screen, and we want to just read through some of that together um, we 're not in a particular teaching series or theme for the month it 's just very open uh, this month and some of the different things that we 're talking about and Today we land on this passage, and uh, some of you might be familiar with it as we start reading it. Um, It starts saying, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. That same day was the day that Jesus rose from the grave. That same day was the day when um, the disciples, and initially two women who first found out that Jesus was alive, the weekend or a couple of days after the Friday where he died on a cross. This is a familiar story for some, and maybe it might feel fresh for others or new for others. Uh, but we're going to read it together and, and understand just kind of what's going on there and, and, and what that means for us. And also as we lead towards celebrating communion today. So I want to read it together. That same day, the two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. About seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. They were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? They're basically asking Jesus, "Like, Do you have no clue what's going on this weekend? And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. We're just going to stop there for a second. So here's this resurrection day, the Sunday Jesus rises from the dead. There's these two people that are, are taking a walk to a town called Emmaus. It's about seven miles um, there, or sorry, or to Jerusalem. About seven miles. It's a two-hour walk. If you do like 10 kilometers, roughly it's a two-hour walk. So it's a long walk. And they're like into the story of the weekend. Jesus died, and they've heard reports that he's raised from the dead. But they're not 100% certain they're a little bit sad, actually. But this is this long walk as they're digesting all this, and they meet Jesus but don't recognize him. They're summarizing the day that everything that led up to this, they're, they're really passionate about what's going on and talking about this. And have, I really wonder why this guy in front of them does not know what's going on. But they're sad. It says that they're that they are disappointed, that they stood still, that they were downcast one of the reasons is that they had this failed hope. They had this failed hope because they believed that Jesus would have redeemed Israel. That Jesus would have rescued Israel from kind of the direction that they were going in. From the downward spiral that they were feeling as a nation and as a people. These were not um, part of the 12 disciples, but they were part of the larger following of Jesus. So they were on board with Jesus. They were on the Jesus bandwagon. They were listening to him and following him, and they had put their hopes in him, but now they are downcast because they have this failed hope that he was going to redeem Israel, but it hasn't happened. And they're not really sure if he's really alive or not. They just heard stories. And I love uh, how this resembles the start of many people's spiritual journey how often we realize there's something wrong with the world or there's something wrong with ourselves or there's something wrong in general and we often can't ignore the truth about it. We're like, this is a failed hope. This is a failed reality. This is a failed direction. See, these people had so much hope that God was going to restore Israel in that time in the way that they saw it, but now their, their leader suffered. They thought that God was going to rescue them from suffering. They didn't realize God was going to rescue them through suffering. That wasn't in their mindset or their hopes. And they knew Israel was not living out God's best. They were in this downward spiral. They were disappointed. And I was thinking about failed hopes just recently this week. I don't know what came over us as a family. We watched like two movies of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, like one and two, and we haven't watched three. It's out in the theater, so we're like, "Yeah, let's let's watch it." And I was actually intrigued. Like the first one was really interesting. How this happened, and through some medical research and a scientific experiment gone wrong, this ape uh, develops like human capacity, and and they get really he gets really really smart. And if you don't know the story, that's kind of what happens. And you're like, "Dave, why are you talking about apes?" But this 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 one ape, his name is Caesar. This is the second movie. Uh, gets very smart, very able to interact, and, and by the second movie has basically assembled a society of apes and has been able to lead them and guide them. And what's really interesting is that this guy Caesar, this, this uh, ape Caesar, when, when he gets this capacity, he, he thinks something very unique that many humans actually think. He's like, one ape alone is weak. Many apes together are strong. And he sets up his little society of apes with a premise, with a principle, with a belief that an ape will never kill an ape. That's, that's what he sets up this society of apes with. An ape will never kill an ape. And he leads this group of apes to live this out and to be committed to each other and to be united with each other and to protect each other until something happens. What do you think happens? An ape kills an ape. And Caesar is distraught because he didn't put his trust in as much in humans anymore and now he's building this society and I think the director, the story writer of this is trying to kind of give a critique to human society. The, this guy, this ape Caesar is just distraught. He's like, I thought we were building something with hope here. This war breaks out. And there's this one moment when he speaks to this one uh, human he really trusts and he says to him really quietly, he said, you know what, I've come to realize we're more like humans than we, we thought. We also kill each other. We also hurt each other. Our hope has also failed. And, and, and I think there's something really true about this story about the failed hope that maybe we feel in certain circumstances or situations or our society. These two people that meet Jesus on the road, they're expressing their failed hope. They thought it would be a certain way. But they were ready to discover something new. And I want you to watch as Jesus responds to them. And I want you to consider a few things that, to see if you recognize something in your own spiritual journey in their story and see where there's still more discovery for you in your relationship with Jesus or your search of Jesus. And I want you to just pause and as we're walking through this, ask yourself... Have I have I walked through this kind of revelation of Jesus myself? So we're going to kind of continue. Verse twenty five to twenty seven um, says this. They keep going with the story, and um, it says, "He said to them." Jesus says to them, "Right, how foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into His glory?" And then look what Jesus does. And beginning with Moses and and all the prophets, so the scriptures they're rooted in, beginning with them, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Here's Jesus. Here's this first little section here. He's saying, you guys have been so slow to believe. Have you not seen where this was headed? Isn't that true for many of us today? Some people today that some of us that we've been slow to believe, slow to jump on to what God has in store for us, slow to jump on to God's plans and purposes. When sometimes you meet someone and you like you, I'll talk to them and you know their life, you know what God's done in your in their life, you know some of the revelation that takes place, and I wonder, like I, I feel like saying, God's done so much for you, God's revealed so much to you, God's brought this stuff into your life for a purpose. How come you don't believe? How can you not be fully invested? And that's kind of what's happening to these two people walking along the road as they meet Jesus. And Jesus does something amazing. He shows them. He shows them all of God's story. One of the first things he does is he shows them the connection to God's story. And how it points to him. He shows them Israel's story. He starts with Moses and the prophets and through the scriptures. And he describes to them Israel's story and humanity's story and Jesus' story and how all that fits in together. And he brings them through the story to show them exactly who he is. He doesn't want to just leave them hanging. He's like, let me point you back to the story. Let me tell you the big picture. Let me show you how we all fit into this, how you fit into this, how the Messiah fits into this. And he shows them. Here's the next thing that Jesus does. Verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued off as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. I love that little section. First of all, these two people are like, Jesus, will you please stay with us? In the original language, it's kind of like, kinda, they're almost trying to twist his arm. Now, Jesus, it looks like he's trying to play with them, like he's pretending he's going to go off a little further, almost waiting for an invitation. Have you ever done that with people? Like, I hope they're going to invite me in. Or maybe you call them and talk about them, sow seeds of like, maybe they'll invite me for supper. <laughs> um, I don't think Jesus is needy that way, but I love how the scene looks. And then they're like, will you please stay with us? They urge him to stay. But what's even more important here is that Jesus stayed. Jesus stayed with them. He didn't just show them something. He didn't just walk through them through the story of the scriptures. He stayed with them. He became present with them. He, he went into their home and he built a relationship with them. This was Jesus' posture. And this process of revelation in these two people's lives in that moment, he didn't only really show them something. He stayed with them. He became present with them. But then he does something else verse 30 when he was at the table with them he took bread gave thanks broke it and began to give it to them then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight they asked each other were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us Here's this last piece. He didn't, Jesus didn't only show them. He didn't only stay with them. He shared now with them. He shared himself with them. He takes this initiative at the table. And it's amazing because he's the guest. It's not his house. It's not his table But he takes the initiative at their table and he does something. There's something that he has to do. And if you caught it, it's there at the top. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Jesus starts into this significant moment at the table where he takes the bread, he gives thanks to God for it, he breaks it, and he begins to give it to them. Do you guys recognize where this is from? Have you heard that line before? Have you heard that phrase before? In the Last Supper, just three, four days before, Jesus is with his disciples. And the exact same phrase Jesus is used as Luke describes that scene. That when Jesus is with his disciples in this last meal with them, he does the same thing. He takes bread. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it. And he begins to give it to them saying, this body is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, as Jesus does that, and as he does it with these people, he's infusing the meaning of the death, of his death and resurrection. He breaks the bread as his body broken for him. He pours the cup as his blood would be poured out for all humanity. He eats and drinks. And Jesus is in this moment, I love it, he's sharing himself. This is not just an ordinary meal. He's sharing himself. He's giving of himself. He's saying that in this meal, you will find me. You will discover me. You will experience me. You will know me more deeply. And I love the... If you look at the trajectory of Revelation, Jesus shows himself to them through the scriptures. He stays with them and becomes present with them. And then he shares himself with them. And he says, as you break this bread together... You will discover and know me in a more intimate way than just knowledge. There's something powerful there. And that moment is not just an echo of the Last Supper, it's an echo of one of the first times we see a meal being happening in Scripture. It's Adam and Eve in the garden, where Eve takes the fruit. And there's similar words there. She takes the fruit, she gives it to Adam, he eats the fruit. That giving and taking and eating was spiraled on death for humanity. But this taking and eating and sharing brings life. So different. It's almost as if N.T. Wright calls it the first meal of the new creation. The first meal as as Jesus breaks bread with these two people and they begin to recognize who he is, it's like the first meal of all the newness that God's going to do. I love just the difference there. So we see these stages of revelation. He showed them. He stayed with them. He shared with them. Scripture helps us open our minds to who Jesus is and how we fit into God's story and how Jesus fits into God's story. But it doesn't end there. Jesus becomes present with us, and Jesus invites us in to share deeply with him. And I love what happens as he breaks bread. And it's here here on the screen in verse 31 and verse 33 as well. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. When they ate the bread, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They were prevented from recognizing him earlier on the road. But when they break the bread, they begin to recognize him. And then they get up, they return at once to Jerusalem. They find the eleven, the other eleven, the disciples, those with them, assembled together. And they say, it is is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. This is the disciples telling these two people. Then the two of them tells them what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Imagine them running back and like the disciples saying, okay, this is what happened. Jesus really did rise from the dead. And they're freaking out and saying, let me tell you what happened. This guy shows up. We didn't recognize him at first. He tells us the whole story, fits us into it, hangs out with us for a while. As soon as he breaks the bread, it's like, you're Jesus. This is crazy. You're Jesus. And as they break this bread together and Jesus gives it to them, this first meal of new creation takes place. The revelation begins. The restoration begins. The redemption begins in their hearts, in their lives. Soon, in a few moments, we'll be taking uh, the meal together, the bread and the wine. And uh, it's going to be important for us to reflect on this. I want to, just before we do that, I want to just ask you some questions. Did you notice... for a moment here. Did you notice any similarities in their j- spiritual journey to your spiritual journey? And you, if you stop, and maybe you can't think of it just now, but think about it for a, a minute, and maybe think about it this week. Is there any similarities to your spiritual journey and their spiritual journey? The, the longing for something? Maybe the sense of failed hope? Maybe the sense of, 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 of reading the story of God or the gospel, and connecting some dots. Maybe someone shared that with you or you read it uh, for the first time. This sense of community and not only Jesus being present with you, but people, God's people being present with you. Is there any similarities to your spiritual journey and their spiritual journey? Maybe there was a moment of revelation. Or maybe you might ask this question is there something you see in their story that you wish was part of your story? Is, are you missing some of the dots in God's story? And you're like, I, I want to I get immersed in God's story. I want to see how all the dots connect. Or maybe you're thinking, I want Jesus to be present with me. I need more of that. Or I, I want to know Jesus in that deep, intimate level, just like when he gave these two people the bread and they, they, they just knew him in a special way. So think about that. Think about this too. Like, If there's someone in your life these days that doesn't know Jesus, is there, some, is there part of how this story unfolds that maybe it can unfold for you, with you and them? Maybe you can show them a piece of God's story. Maybe you can stay with them, sit with them, be present with them. Maybe there's a moment where you can begin to share with them not just knowledge of Jesus, not just hanging out with them, but then say, hey, let me invite you to come to Jesus. Let me invite you to seek Jesus in a way where you will experience him. I listened to a story just this weekend from a ministry online, and it was a story of, of a guy who really struggled, was, was anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-Christian. Um, advocate for, for so many different issues in life. And at the age of 19, uh, he, was, he, was, he met up with a, a girl from his university. She was a filmmaker, and she won like one of the most, uh, like just a great prize in a film festival in, in England. And he was impressed because he's like, wow, this is really cool. This girl won this prize. She must be a great filmmaker. He wasn't in that field, but he ended up meeting her at a pub, and they started talking, and he asked her, why did you do? Why did you write this story? She did a documentary on um, on handicapped students in her university, and she, he said, Why did you? Why did you write this? Do this story? Why did you do this film? And and the girl says, um, Actually, I felt like God led me to do this story, and he's like, Oh, great! It's like another God person. <laughs> like, uh, like, come on! What was it? Like Vishnu or Hindu? Uh, a Hindu god? Was it Allah? Who? What God are you talking about? And she says, No, this. Is Jesus Christ um, and I have a deep relationship with him and, I, and my faith in him my walk with him has led me, led me to do this story and so they dialogued and he's like oh I, you know I don't know if I want to hear this and, and then she asked him a question she said have you ever experienced God's love that was a great question for me because she didn't ask him do you know about God do you know the story of Jesus? Do you know, you know, the Ten Commandments or the list? Do you know this? No, she asked him, have you ever experienced God's love? And he's like, he didn't know what to say. He said, no. Would you like to experience God's love? And there was something in him that triggered this, now this something he just felt he was missing. He's like, if there's a way... To experience a love that you're talking about, I'm open to that. See, there's a knowledge beyond knowledge that Jesus wants to get us to, and I want to encourage you and I. If you're on this journey already, following Jesus, and I know many of you are, and maybe some of you who are here today, and you're just early in the journey, or you're not even on the journey, you're just exploring. There's two sides to the to the same coin in this story, and it's the side of mind and heart and knowledge and experience. Scripture and sacrament. See, too often we lead to one side, right? Too often, maybe it's, it's, you know, one side is, we're wired for one side and we miss the fuller experience of the other side. Maybe we're wired for emotion and we miss the, you know, getting into the scriptures. Or we're wired for knowledge and words and we miss the experience of Jesus. And there's these two sides to this. There's the mind. Jesus did actually sit with them and said let me tell you the story let me go back to Moses and the prophets and all the scriptures and let me tell you what's going on here and how this all fits together so there was a mind part of this but there was a heart part of this Jesus let me sit with you let me stay with you and let me give you this meal Jesus brings the two together for them and he brings the two together for us we need the scriptures we need the sacrament we need the knowledge of God. We need the experience of God. We need to engage God with all of our mind. We need to engage God with all of our heart. We need to experience God with our mind and experience him with our heart. Dallas Willard, when he was asked about some key spiritual disciplines in a, in a Christian's life, he listed four. And one day we got to talk about them in fullness, but he listed silence, solitude, but then he listed study, but when he listed study, he said, you've got to study the, the teachings of Jesus, but he said, don't study Jesus and not worship. He said, make sure worship is part of your spiritual practices. Because he said, you can get so caught up in studying about Jesus and not bathe yourself in worship and prayer that you're just going to get so finicky about the words. And he says, also, don't get so caught up in worship and prayer and don't feed your mind with teachings of Jesus. It's as they go together. And as we consider this story, what it means for us in our spiritual journey, I would encourage you to think, like, pursue God and the teachings of Jesus and the person of Jesus with all your mind with all your heart. Pray that you would know God in a greater way in knowledge, but pray that you would experience his presence in a deeper and deeper way. Amen. That's that. I that's, you know. If we could grow in that way, we won't be one-sided. We're going to know God in deeper and deeper ways with our minds, with our hearts. Thank you that because of your blood, we can enter your holy place and come close to you in your throne with freedom and confidence, not in our own merit, our own striving aren't any moral achievements but only by your blood and sacrifice and crucifixion and freedom bought and won for and victory in the resurrection we are yours and we declare our trust and our faith in you alone Jesus Lord, may we know you. May we know you through your story. May we know you through your scriptures. May we know you through your teachings and life. Jesus, may we know you through the bread you give us. May we know you through the life you offer us. May we know you through your spirit that is promised to us when we trust you and that will flow through us like living waters. Lord, we long to know you in all your fullness and to know a love that is beyond knowledge, a love that is wide and high and deep and long, and a love that surpasses our knowledge towards knowing your fullness. And so, God, would you strengthen our inner being? Would you strengthen our inner being with your power so that Jesus will dwell in us through faith? may we know your love and also know god that you will do immeasurably more than we can imagine or ask according to your power at work within us god and if there's anyone here today that would doubt that in any way but yet longs for it with all of their heart god may we may you reveal yourself to them may you show yourself to them may you stay with them and abide in them god and may you share the life of jesus with them lord may they know it may we know it in all its fullness God, in Christ's name we stand and we pray. Amen.